Welcome to the MS Dev Show, episode number 46. This week we talk with Joost van Schaik about the Microsoft Band and the Raspberry Pi, TypeScript Heart Angular, and a word is worth a thousand vectors. Hey there, today we have Joost van Schaik. He's a 20-year developer and a blogger since 2007. And today he focuses on .NET and web development. He's a Windows development MVP for fun. How's it going, Yoast? I'm doing fine, uh, Jason. How are you? I am doing good. Welcome to the show. And Carl, how's it going? You got something new there? Yeah, I just got the HTC One M8 for Windows, and uh, it's it's pretty amazing. I really like the fit and finish of it. Um, it, it is a hero class phone, which is exactly what I was looking for, and uh, it. It feels great in the hand. Uh, it's not much lighter than uh, Nokia's traditional phones, but it just feels like it's not quite the brick that Nokia's have the reputation for. Um, I also got it with the accessory, the uh, the dot cover, and that's really fun to use, not just because of the information. The information isn't all that great, the clock. Uh, what is cool about it, though, um, uh, you can interact with it through the cover. So if you're playing uh, music or a podcast or something, you could control the audio on screen through the through the cover. That's interesting. It, mm-hmm. Is that an OLED screen then, where it it that dot cover will actually stay on for a while, or how does that work? Is it kind of like Glance? It 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 operates like Glance. It'll stay on for about 15 seconds if you're not doing anything. Um, okay. Also, if you get notifications, it'll pop up like if it was a Skype. Uh, notification will pop up the Skype icon and stuff like that. But the, okay. the, the other really cool thing about it is you can just like an iPod with its case, you could just open it and close it and it turns the phone on and off. Oh, that's nice too. Yeah. That's nice. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. And then the comment you made before you made, you were comparing it to a Nokia. You want to say that again? Yeah. Um, I I've had quite a few Nokia phones all the way yeah. from their basic ones to their high end ones. And to me, this is a better phone than I've ever had with Nokia. Yeah. So, yeah, that's a pretty that's a that's a pretty big statement, but that's, you know, that's kind of selling that phone too. That's pretty cool. Yeah, um yeah. Uh, there's a lot of tiny fit and finish things that just all all the way around when you're used to what Nokia has, you just look back and the Nokia stuff seems a little rough in comparison. Um okay. so just as a whole, it's 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 very responsive, it's very quick. Um and uh I know sometimes there's a lot of crap on, uh, especially with what Lenovo has been in the news for lately about crap, right. crapware. But uh, every app that's on here really seems to be well thought out and useful. Uh, okay. I especially like the TV app. It has an IR blaster on there so I can control my TV with uh, my phone. And uh, there's a lot of really nice features in that app alone uh, that makes yeah, it. That's wild. I haven't seen an IR blaster on a phone in in like, you know, five plus years. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, indeed. So yes, I'm really enjoying this and it's definitely going to be my daily driver for a very long time. Okay. Very cool. Okay. Let's jump into listener feedback. Okay. So we've had, we had a couple things this week. Uh, so the first one here was a tweet from Dan Clark. Uh, so he said, been listening to .NET rocks show for a while, but also recently discovered the MS dev show and developer T all excellent dev podcasts. So that's that's great to hear that uh, that people are starting to pick up the show and and looking at our numbers, the the growth has been awesome. So it's it's been great being able to reach a wider and wider audience. And, Any other feedback, Carl? Um, I think that covers it for the big feedback. But I did want to just mention along with what he said, I did check out that Developer T podcast. 
And, yeah, and I haven't heard of that one. And what, what's really nice about it is, you know, a lot of times the podcasts that I traditionally listen to are like hour, hour and a half long, you know, maybe longer. And that one's, it, it's in the five to 15 minute range. So it takes one topic, discusses it just enough, and then just leaves it, you know, at, at the right point. Okay. That's pretty cool. Uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's kind of a neat concept. And then, uh, of course, I guess one thing we didn't mention, uh, Aaron NZ, of course, he has another tweet on there <laughs> every week with that guy. No, he's, uh, he's a big fan of the show and we really appreciate that. Uh, so if you want to get mentioned on the show, uh, you can send us an email to feedback at msdevshow.com or you can comment on our Facebook page. Um, we love it. Whenever you leave an iTunes review, we have a ton of ratings out there now. Well, I wouldn't call it a ton. We have a, we have a lot of ratings out there and that really helps. Uh, that helps spread the the news about the show and uh, that helps, you know, keep us going. So we really appreciate those. So if you can't, if you haven't yet, please go out there and leave us an iTunes review. Uh, you can also leave a comment on there, but at a minimum, if you uh, give it a star rating, that helps us out quite a bit. So let's jump into the news. Uh, CPP pod uh, or CPP cast, I guess this is called. Yep. Uh, this is about Carl. Yeah. So uh, a lot of you will remember a few months ago, we had Rob Irving on the show. Um mm-hmm. And uh, he's uh, for his daily job, he works almost exclusively in C++. So he created a, a podcast all about it, covering C++ news and interviews with luminaries and full-time Microsoft employees uh, in the C++ world. So if that is something that sounds interesting to you, go check out his podcast at cppcast.com. Yeah, it's hard to say, isn't it? It is. <laughs> so he, one interesting thing about this too, is he actually, uh, you know, our entire website, we keep it out in GitHub and uh, he actually cloned that and uh, used that for his site, which is great and made some modifications, but we put that out there just to make it quick and easy for people to get, you know, started with a new podcast. And then I mentioned this before, but we actually published our entire workflow. So if anybody is trying to set up a new podcast, uh, it's really easy. And, and this is great because you know, C++ isn't necessarily that niche, but there's probably a ton of niche topics out there that, you know, I just, I want to make it as easy as possible for people to get up and running with podcasting. Cause I think it's uh, I think it's really cool. And then he actually today sent us back a pull request. So thanks for that, Rob. We, we really <laughs> appreciate <cool>. that. <laughs> yeah. He sent it back. It was a, uh, it was a, like a broken link in, in all of our pages basically for editing the page. So we really appreciate that. So I, I just think, you know, hosting, not hosting, but storing your website in GitHub is just such an awesome way of doing it because you can crowdsource the editing of pages. If somebody sees a typo or whatever, they can just go out there and fix it. Um, and then you can do things like this, clone it, you know, do issue pull requests back. That's, that's great. Uh, next up TypeScript and angular. You want to talk about this, Carl? You want me to talk about it? Yeah. You want to do this? Yeah. I I believe the actual title is TypeScript Heart Angular. Yeah. I wasn't trying to say it. It's actually uh, technically it's less than three. Less than three. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So I was actually kind of shocked at this announcement. Uh, Google and Microsoft announced that the next version of Angular, Angular 2, will be written in TypeScript and they will be merging the at script and TypeScript languages. Yeah. This is actually freaking awesome whenever you think about it, because, you know, Angular 2, I'm sure that's got to be a huge code base now. And being able to, you know, add a type system on top of that is, I mean, that's really powerful. That's going to, that's probably going to help them prevent a lot of bugs from uh, creeping in as they, as they develop that. So that's really cool. 
Yeah, I can uh, I can vouch for that because uh, uh, halfway last year I uh, started uh, an Angular and TypeScript project. I blogged mm -hmm. about it, set how you set it up, and uh, it it really works together very well. Because especially if you come from a, a .NET background, you you keep in falling into these JavaScript traps, and just the the power that TypeScript brings to the table, it's uh, it makes it a lot easier. You can a lot. Yeah, you have to indeed the uh, type testing. The the you can write easier unit tests. I can only imagine how much powerful it will make uh, the next version of Angular. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I actually consider a type system sort of a unit test in and of itself, right? So you, yes, indeed. Yeah, so you have you know it's just it's a contract between those things, and I I love whenever we have languages like this that that sort of have a, di a dynamic type system where. You know, there's there's times when I'm dealing with an object that's that's completely dynamic and I just want to be able to pass that thing around and just have it work and have each thing sort of look at what property it's interested in and not add one property and have all my code break. But at, at the same time, there's times when I want to, you know, have a specific type and it's like, listen, this this will have these types for these properties in this object. And that's that's what's cool about TypeScript is it lets you, you know add that stuff in as you want. Yes, and then like I mentioned, it's, it's basically just validating that, Hey, uh, you know, age should be an integer. It should be an int. So, you know, when, when you, when you cut, when you try to set this to something else, like I don't want that to even compile or, you know, whatever you call it, I guess, uh, sort of transpile from, uh, TypeScript to, to JavaScript. Yeah, what I like very much is uh, I always uh, like to freak out people uh, with uh, the double window to see, see this compiles to this JavaScript, and then I define an interface and see, see mm -hmm. this compiles to totally nothing, because interfaces do not exist in JavaScript. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, that's that's a good point. And, and I believe, so well, I guess I, what I'm saying is I, I, I hope that, um, I assume that this will make it a lot easier if you are trying to build an Angular application and you want to use TypeScript in your own application. Um, this should make that a lot easier because you you can actually get a little bit better IntelliSense and things like that. Uh, that's indeed awesome. Yep. Uh, next one. Our programs are fun to use. Yeah, uh, this was a blog post by Jeff Atwood on his coding coding horror blog, and he kind of like showed some screenshots of back of some games that were for the Apple II. And on there, it said quality statement of quality. Our programs are fun to use. And, yeah. I, you know, I, I think as, you know, developers, um, that's we can't always make our programs, quote, fun, but we can put thought on why we're doing things and make them more pleasant for users to use. And I know mm -hmm. that's something that I, you know, I always try to do. I mean, do we always need our our. You know, the people who use our stuff, do they need to think every time about when they should save or should, you know, they hit a setting and it it should just persist? I mean, yeah. some of that stuff just makes it, you know, fun and thoughtful. And I just thought reading this was just a way to, you know, remember, you know, you know, what are all the different ways that we can go about making things pleasant and, you know, fun for the people who have to or want to use our stuff? Yeah, I, the, my favorite part of this is some of the examples. So did you look at some of the links in here? There's actually a bulleted list of examples. So for example, the first one is that visualizing algorithms. And I know we've had, um, uh, is this the one? Actually, this is not the one. Although that one is really cool. It must be, let's see here, uh, polygons, where is it? There there was one that was uh, that was all about sorting. Maybe it is in that one, but further down. Oh yeah, so in the visual, the first link that visualizing algorithms, I know we've had some links previously that show that visualize different algorithms. 
but this has some really, really beautiful, um, you know, animations showing how different sort algorithms work and, and things like that. This is just awesome. We should actually just break this uh, link out as well in the show notes so people can just take a look at this one. But I thought that that uh, the first link in that list in that post was was just as powerful as the post itself. Yeah, it also describes, you know, just some websites that are used for training on how to program, how to, you know, learn to program and how they make it fun. So, yeah. you know, there's it's kind of a, a few nested concepts there, but. Yeah, Jeff is always really good at finding this stuff. I don't know how he does it. <laughs> Probably okay. has time to spare. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, because he work. I think he just works for himself now. Uh, let's see. Skype for business to launch March 18. I didn't know we were uh, this close to a launch. No, I didn't either. Uh, it was announced uh, earlier last year that Link would be rebranded on its next major version to Skype for business. Mm-hmm. And they kind of left it at that. And what was it yesterday or the day before is they said on March 18th and that's coming up very quickly. Yeah. Yeah. I've been, uh, you know, I've, I've access to this. I, I, there's probably other channels that get this through as well. I don't know if this is on Emmett. There's probably a early copy on MSDN or something like that. But, um, um, you know, I, I'm always, as a remote worker, I'm always very cautious. Um, so this is pretty cool that this is going to be, you know, ready for prime time in just a few days. Um, it looks really cool. I think it's a good melding of Skype and, and link. Um, you know, I think it's, it looks a little bit more modern without, without going too crazy. And, uh, and I'm sure behind the scenes, this is starting to, or I should say continuing to unify the code bases between Skype and Skype for business, which is always a good thing. One, one code base. Cause I mean, they're essentially trying to do the, the same thing in two different environments. Yeah, I wonder if they uh, will now take the limit of the what's it link two hundred fifty attendees is now. I wonder. If that, oh, in a yeah. in a call. Yeah, I wonder if that will go away now. Yeah, that's that's a good question, and I know there's a couple different types of calls that you can do because um, I think there's a I think there's a way to go above that, but yeah, for that's I'm not sure. Um, that's probably on the on the server side, but I assume that this gets paired with a new uh, server as well. Did you read that, Carl? I did not see that in this okay. in this particular article. Hmm. Interesting, because usually, like every version of Link has come out with a with a new server to kind of go along with it. So we'll have to uh, we'll have to wait and see it. I I can't tell immediately from the article. Oh, let's see, Xamarin Forms one point four released. Yeah, this isn't this isn't a huge update, but I I know that uh, we're both doing a little bit of Xamarin development, and I'm looking into Xamarin on. Uh, a much bigger basis, both for work and personal reasons. And so I just thought, you know, let everybody know that uh, Xamarin.forms is something that is evolving a little bit more quickly. And there's some cool APIs that came out with this, with the, uh, uh, you get pulled a refresh on list views. And that's nice. Yes. Yeah. And then they also fixed this Windows Phone 8 bug where the web view would not support JavaScript. That that was kind of a oh really, <laughs> <laughs> oops. <laughs> Who needs JavaScript? Yeah. So I mean, you know, you can look through the features. There's there's not big. This is just you know a point release. But uh, uh, Xamarin Forms is making some pretty quick uh, cadence and uh, upgrades. So mm-hmm. it's definitely something to watch. I, I'm I know both of us are looking forward to when they support uh, Universal Apps fully. In yeah. 
Yeah. So, and I, I think there's probably a lot of listeners that, that haven't really been introduced to Xamarin form. So we should probably back up just a little bit because there's, there's Xamarin, you know, just like the, the traditional Xamarin where you can use, uh, you know, C sharp.net to build applications on the, on the various platforms, but then you end up using sort of the native, uh, user interface builders. And, you know, you sort of have this, this mixing of the two worlds. The whole point of Xamarin forms is to, come up with a set of control abstractions. So you say, Hey, I have a list of things and I just want to write that code one time. So you can use uh, XAML or you can write some code that says, put this list view on here or use this type of layout, put all your controls on there. And then theoretically they'll just work across all three platforms. The reason I say theoretically, um, so, you know, Carl and I have been doing some Xamarin work. We're actually trying to build a, a podcast app and, uh, it's not, it's not for listening to podcasts. It's for the, the show itself. Um, and we're trying, you know, we, we've been trying a couple different things, but, um, you know, there's a list of, of podcast episodes and the, the list actually behaves differently on the platforms, even though we're using the platform abstraction. So, you know, this doesn't perfectly abstract you away from things, but it, it, it makes it so that it is, you know, about a hundred times easier going across all those different platforms, depending on what you're trying to do. So this is cool. These guys really, really iterate quickly. So, you know, anything that's missing now. Uh, I think is probably right around the corner. Okay. A word is worth a thousand vectors. I, I thought this article was really cool, but you have to explain it to me, Carl. All right. So, <laughs> so as a, a little bit of background, th- this is covering the topic of natural language processing, which yeah. is, you know, how do you take what somebody says and derive meaning from it? Um, mm-hmm. I, I first learned about this from a, from a former coworker who's really into this field and, and, this it kind of uses a, a few just simple concepts to explain how you can use vector math and enable to you know take one meaning and get something new out of it. So the example that they give here is say you start with the concept of the word king, mm-hmm. and you subtract out man, and you add in woman. What is what is the word that you get out of there? You know, yeah. us as being able to, you know, understand these concepts abstractly, you know, we can quickly get to like, hey, we're trying to understand that we're, we need the concept of a queen. Right. But they sh- they're showing using, you know, v- uh, vector math and polar coordinates that you can, you know, graph out, you know, the difference between man and woman. And if you have enough enough data plotted out, you can start with king, take that differences and apply it to king. And that should that'll take you to right where Queen is, and right. what what's really uh, mind blowing about this is you don't have to under you don't have to teach your program or your data set anything about genders, which is what you, the differences are that you're getting here, and you can get your end result. Now, this is a gross simplification. Um, you do have to have a lot of data, and you do have to know how to place your data into those vectors. But uh, there's already a lot of libraries out there, and this article does go around um, and show a few more examples and explains a few of the libraries that you can use um, if you're interested in something like natural language processing. Yeah, well, the part that I didn't understand was how they, uh, you know, came up with that those initial um, sort of coordinates of how the words are related. I mean, it says here they they threw a ton of text at it. it says that they had to. Uh, send it uh, millions of words, uh, equivalent to thousands of books, 500,000 comments, 4 million tweets. 
Uh, so I get that, but what I didn't get was like how they actually put that into that diagram. Cause it seemed, it seemed easy the, the, the results or it seemed easy to, to do the work once you had it in that diagram or you had those, those sort of relationship coordinates in there. But yeah. did you understand how they got that? Well, no, they also talked about later on down about a uh, training. So y- yeah. you train your vectors and there are data sets out there that have pre-trained vectors in them. So it, okay. it does have some of that in there, but you do kind of have to uh, understand the math behind this and how to place it where it needs to be placed. Yeah. Yeah. That, that seemed to be like the biggest black box for me. Once, once you had the numbers, then it seemed pretty easy because yeah, you could subtract something out and that was sort of saying, Hey, I want to, I want to look down the, you know, down the graph and say, what, what's the next thing on the, on the X axis as an example. But, uh, yeah, this was, this was cool. This is something, uh, in a field that, that I haven't, uh, done anything with, but this looks like a lot of fun. Yeah. It's, it's not something that I'm going to jump into, but I have enough interest to, you know, use it to expand my, you know, my knowledge of the topic. You know, it's, it's just really interesting how that happens. Okay. And we'll include a link to that in the show notes. So let's talk to Yoast. How's it going? I'm fine, sir. How are you? I am great. Uh, so yeah, Carl's like, Hey, we got to talk to this guy. He's doing some cool stuff. And I I went to your blog and you had, uh, looks like you're kind of a a mad scientist. So I was like, yeah, heck heck yeah. I want to talk to this guy (laughs) doing some cool stuff. Yeah, well, uh, we have in a in, in a magazine here, you know, the, the Donald Duck comic. There was mm-hmm. this uh, this guy. I don't know exactly who call in Eng- in in English, but it's uh, like a crane bird, uh, a crazy inventor, and uh, people uh, compare me sometimes to him. <laughs> um, yeah, I uh, I basically uh, usually block very practical things, uh, things I uh, I found out because. Uh, and that took me a long time to find. And uh, mm-hmm. people always say, how do you get so much readers on your blog? Well, usually I take as a uh, header title uh, simply the the thing I was looking for and could not find. Um, yeah, yeah, like the first the first thing that you searched for when you were trying to solve a problem. Yeah, I could. Yeah. I can't. And uh, what what I also uh, this this how this uh, is uh, has. Uh, being created, uh, I also got very annoyed by the fact that uh, some people, uh, uh, when they de- deal out their wisdom, they do so in fragments, and you have to uh, piece the puzzle together. And I always go with a full solution. So whatever I forget to explain, you can see for yourself. It runs, it compiles, and you can see what I do. Uh, started as my own brain dump. Mm-hmm. Well, why did I create this? Um, well, um, you have seen, of course, I, I assume the the announcements by uh, some time ago that that the Windows 10 event went then they said well uh, the Raspberry Pi 2 will support Windows 10 so I immediately ordered such a device like well I can uh, play with that a little you know and then I got basically a a little board that doesn't do anything much so I got uh, a blog post by a a Belgian guy one Jan Thielens who explained how you can get mono so you can at least develop in a language that I'm comfortable with mm-hmm. uh, be C-sharp and then it was yeah now what are we going to do now uh, another Windows platform MVP I don't know if uh, Carl knows him uh, uh, Peter Nowak from Germany mm-hmm. he pointed me uh, on Amazon.de uh, on a, uh, some kind of kit where you can buy 75 sensors for about 75 euros um, and they uh, th- they're all dirt cheap so you can do something with your Pi from C-sharp. 
and then some of the form and just when i was dabbling with that uh, microsoft dropped the uh, microsoft band uh, sdk and some from uh, microsoft dx uh, challenged me to uh, well can you uh, can't you make something with the uh, with the band and i was yeah i was just working with the pi and i was like well why shouldn't i combine it yep and then i had one of those days uh, usually uh, you have uh, as a developer you can get stuck on something simple for uh, three hours or more and i had a day but basically everything i tried worked so yeah i don't know why <laughs> it was just uh yeah what i created was uh, a simple thing that uh, reads your heart rate from the band uh, using your phone and the phone posts that to a, a simple owen server a little owen server on the on the pi that blinks a lot with the same as your heart rate mm -hmm. it was basically just showing off uh, what you could do with it and uh, I, judging from the the hits on this blog uh, people quite seem to like it so uh, <laughs> i don't know have you tried to uh, reproduce it or <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah, unfortunately, unfortunately i don't have all of that hardware I, d I do have a band but i don't have a raspberry pi so yeah um well, you know, one of the things I was wondering, though, I mean, there, there's you have a lot going on here. You've got the band, you've got a Windows phone, Mono, Owen, um, all on Raspberry Pi. I mean, how long did it take you to go from this concept to getting this together to you, you got your light blinking? You don't want to know that. <laughs> <laughs> Six hours. Six hours. Wow. Yes. It was, like I said, usually it take, this takes very long, but I must say I had a little bit of preparation. I do a lot of uh, web API, so that was, I already knew how that worked. Right. I, uh, I, I followed the, the route of this Belgian guy just getting mono to work. And then all the, the, you, you can see the, the piece that, that reads the band. You can nick almost one-to-one -one from the samples. And then well, a little bit of smart coding and some other experiments that were ahead of it. This, this was extremely fast. I was really surprised by this. And I, I really hope that uh, there is now a C library under it that makes it a bit difficult to control. And I really hope that when Windows 10 uh, comes, we can do this all the way. Maybe even dispense of the Windows phone. I don't know. Unfortunately, uh, Microsoft keeps their uh, um, cards very close to the chest this time. I'm very curious what's going to happen. Don't smile so much, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so talking about let's talk about the uh, let's talk about the band SDK. Yeah, because um, I'm kind of because I haven't had a chance to play around with this yet. You uh, have so the band? I, well, I have the band. Oh, pff, that's funny. <laughs> I took it off to charge because I knew I was going to be sitting here for a while. <laughs> that's hilarious. So yeah, I have I have the band, and I I I have um, you know I have some of the apps like the the pimp my band, and I have the the app that will read all the different values off of there in real time, which is, which is pretty cool. But, uh, and I know you can go, uh, there's a, there's a site, right? What is it? Dev dot Microsoft band or something. Um, cause I know all the, um, the SDK and everything, it's all in like one location. Uh, developer, the, it's developer dot Microsoft band.com. Microsoft band. Band.com. Yeah. So, you know, I've, I've gone out there. I haven't, uh, I think I downloaded the SDK. I haven't really played around with it. So, so, you know, what do you think of it and, and what does it actually take to, to get started with this thing? Uh, depends on what you want to do. Uh, mm -hmm. reading sensors is ridiculously easy. It's very, very simple, at least from windows phone. I only tried this on windows phone. There is now a preview for Android as well. 
uh, iOS is coming soon. There is a very, very comprehensive uh, uh, sample code project. I really like that because I always like to do that too. And basically you can... Now, I won't say cut and paste, but you can very see very good how it's uh, working. Okay. I was thinking of another scenario, but you, what you can do with the band is still fairly limited. Um, reading sensors, great. Uh, activate something from the band is uh, great, but I was trying to... You can also send dialogues and stuff, you know, like just like you get a uh, notification. But uh, I was doing... I was thinking of uh, something smart like dynamically changing the tile that's not possible if you want to change okay. the tile you have to get the user consent okay but you can send a notification specifically to the band yep okay very cool well, you can create your own tile you can set notifications with with or without dial oh you can create your own you, tile yeah, yeah 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 no problem okay okay there is even there is the sample application uh, you can just show uh, 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 you can let you create a um, tile with a smiley on it you can tap that of provided you have tile space ready there is a limited number of tiles you can right right show i was just extracting the sample right now so i can take a look at it that's that's pretty cool though that everything is right in that sample so anybody who wants to get started should just take probably take take a look at that first and see what the capabilities are very cool so is there anything you know with the sdk that's missing or that you wish that it either has now or could add be added in the future uh, like I said, I would. Uh, I had the idea of making a kind of live tile, but you can only post a counter or messages to it. I would like to see something like that as well. So that's what I'm missing a little. And but okay. I don't know. I don't know if that's in the use case of the app of the uh, of the app. So, so to be really clear, you can't make apps for the for the, for the band. You can create a tile that you can use as an endpoint for your notification. You can basically create apps for your phone that communicate with the band. That's right. that's the point. What about through the background? Can I have an app on my phone that's that's you know like going out and pulling something and and then send a specific notification? I have been told that you cannot uh, currently the current version can't run in the background. I haven't. Okay. So you can't you can't send a command to the band from a background app. I don't think you can. At this okay. Point. But don't pin me on it. Do. Okay. That's pretty cool. I'm just looking through <laughs> everything right now. This is pretty cool. Yeah, it's pretty nice. So any any other ideas for what uh, what you want to do with this thing? Yeah, I well, I already got requests from uh, <laughs> from Microsoft. Can you create now? Now they they suddenly think I can uh, create all. I can uh, control every hardware piece of uh, that's out there. So somebody asked you. Oh, you uh, can. Good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, can you please make something that I create my Sonos with? Uh, I was currently uh, messing around a little with uh, with temperature and humidity meters, but it, I don't make much progress because it's uh, pretty complicated to read out. Uh, so, but uh, yeah, but like so. you said, you can't. You couldn't today. You can't create something that runs on the band that would have those controls on it. So you just can't do that today. I don't think so. No. Okay. Yeah, that'll open up a lot of scenarios once you can do that. Because yeah, I think well, Carl, you you wanted a uh, you wanted something where you could find your phone, right? Yeah, because I I found out that one of the biggest things that happens now that I have a Microsoft Band is at least when I'm home, I'll place it down somewhere and I'll forget where it is. And I yep. I need I need a button on my band because my band's always on my wrist right. to to ring my phone and and so I know where it is. That's a really yeah. good idea. What you could do is you could send yourself a text message. 
And then as long as it's sitting like in the inbox on the band, you could always go back and hit reply. And then you hear the text message sound. Yeah, the, prob- <laughs> the, the, the problem is, is uh, I, I have turned on off the sound of my te- of my phone because, well, I get all my notifications yeah, on my wrist. I've and my wife, the same thing. My wife got a bit annoyed by my phone doing bing, bing, bing the whole day. So she likes this my ha- having me having this thing very much because now it's silent. <laughs> yep. No, you you did the exact same thing I did. I I figure, hey, if the if the band is gonna gonna vibrate and show me the email, I still have I still have it come through on the phone, but I turned off the sound. Um, and the vibration because I don't need either of those. Yeah, and then you get a message from it says incoming call, and they say where is the phone? <laughs> actually, it yeah. actually the, the the reception of this thing is so incredibly good. I actually can be in the attic and my phone on the ground floor, and I still get uh, I still get notification, even call yep. notifications, and. I still have. I would like have a function on my band. Like I said, now let the phone make noise, whatever the the setting is. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because, no, I, that's, I, need, that's I, because I need to find it. <laughs> no, I I love my band. I I think um, you know the the stock issues aside. I mean, people it seems like a lot of people just sort of discounted it at first, and then there was you know the Apple Watch, and of course that gets tons and tons of press. And I even read articles, and they're kind of infuriating because it's like yeah, this is a, the first device of its kind. And they were talking about what it can do. And what? it's all the stuff that the band does. And I'm like, are you yeah, kidding me? What? I mean, you, the, you can't ignore the whole rest of the industry and then say that, you know, that this thing is the only one that does it. Cause the band, I actually, it, it's for me, it just, the, the functions of what it does so far, I find to be just about perfect, you know, notifications on your wrist without having a giant watch on there, I think are, are huge. And wearing it on the inside too, has really helped too. Cause I don't end up scraping it. Oh, well, I uh, I ended up wearing it at the, up the upside down. So okay. Up because I found that easier. Okay. Because I, I I'm a ten uh, ten finger blind typist, so when I type, my wrist rests on the and on the on the keyboard, and so I would totally destroy the screen that way. I gotcha. I gotcha. So well, I'll go ahead, I, Carl. I just want to interrupt quickly. Uh, we we talked about the availability problems, but I, okay. I guess we buried a news story that the Microsoft Band is going to be making its way, at least in the U.S., to Best Buy, which really opens up the availability and shows that they're going to be releasing this um, uh, to a much bigger scale. Okay. Was that confirmed? I, I don't have any inside information on this. Um, I, I wasn't sure if it was a rumor or if it was an announcement. Um, as far as I can recall, it was an announcement. Okay. I, Either I way, if it's so. a rumor, I think it's probably a strong rumor. That would be that would be awesome. Yeah, I really hope so because that's uh, the only place where they actually uh, dropped the ball a little bit. Because uh, yeah, I know a lot of people uh, who actually would love to have a device, but uh, yeah, I was very lucky. I ordered it the day it uh, came out, and I was uh, just boarding the plane to the MVP summit, and I already knew there was one waiting for me. <laughs> Yeah. And 24 hours later, they were all gone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and if this thing, I mean, some people, I, I don't even notice that I'm wearing it, but I, I think it's nope. super comfortable. But I mean, if the thing got any more comfortable, I just think if, if people objectively looked at what the options are, I think this is, this is an awesome device. But anyway, I'm not trying to sell the band. <laughs> I just, I just really like mine. I, I'm not quite sure how I'd live without it now. Anytime yeah. I don't have it on, it's really frustrating. Yep, I know. I even sleep with it on, and I'm a fussy sleeper. I never wore watches during my sleep. I only take it off uh, in the morning for uh, a 20-minute charge or something. Exactly. Same here. And, uh, and when I go take a shower, and when I'm going to do something, real, some real heavy work, where I think, well, maybe I will damage it, you know. 
I've been demolishing a wall recently. So yeah. no, I just I bought the nineteen dollar warranty, and I just don't care. <laughs> okay. Yeah, but you're you're in an area where the device is supported. You know, I'm in Europe. I'm not even supposed to have oh, this thing. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I was gonna say because I'm I'm in Wisconsin, so it's not. This isn't like the the mecca of Microsoft. So we have we have a, a Microsoft store like an hour and a half away, and and uh, it's it's like a kiosk in a mall, and that's that's the best we have here. The closest one to me is about a six to eight hours flight, so transatlantic. <laughs> oh boy, I feel lucky now. Mm. So um, I know you like to do all this cool stuff, but what you know, what do you what do you do kind of day to day? Okay, I work uh, as a, uh, a GIS, uh, geographical information. That's what I've been doing for the last 20 years. Well, that's cool stuff too. Yeah, that's uh, stuff with maps mm-hmm. for people who don't. Uh, and uh, yeah, that has some unique challenges, uh, f- uh, especially when you show data, you show a heart rate. Everybody knows what a heart rate is. But if you uh, show uh, points in space, you need to have some reference. So you mm-hmm. always need to have reference data uh, or else a map is not a map, but just a, a random collection of points or, or lines uh, also very funny is that uh, the data you get is almost never what you uh, can display because uh, well we humans we are made for a flat surface and uh, unfortunately the, uh, the earth isn't flat flat right so um, you i heard that have these, uh, <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. It's, it's actually true I've oh okay <laughs> Even You've heard it here first, uh, people. Yeah. <laughs> Even in Wisconsin. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, the funny thing is that uh, you, you you may be seen that that when you t- uh, try to draw something on a map, it gets all distorted because you have to project it. And every country has its own projection system, so you're constantly doing uh, uh, translations. And when you uh, draw a line, you actually have to uh, take to account that it's actually on a on a round surface. So if you want to have it straight on the map. It's actually not straight and stuff like that. You know, if you if, when you see uh, the tracks uh, when you uh, try fl- tra- fly transatlantic or some bigger distance in the uh, east-west direction, that you always see that the line on the map doesn't seem to be straight. It is, but you're flying over a globe and mm-hmm. not over a flat surface. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's uh, that's a bit what I do. Um, we used uh, yeah, a lot of geospatial data making maps or working with maps. It's It used to be my uh, sole occupation, but it's uh, getting a little bit less because um, it used to be a very cool, unique trick. But, uh, well, maps and geospatial data is now becoming more mainstream. So you don't, it is, it's not so special anymore as it used to be. I gotcha. Yeah, Carl and I did some, uh, we did some, actually did some geospatial work. We had mm. to, um, uh, we had uh, we were doing some some work from uh, with some data that came from CRM and it was based on what was that county data I think Carl yeah yeah we, like everything came out of the county and it, and it have, was displaying sales territories yeah and they could com- be comprised of multiple counties so we had to figure out you know how, so we have these these uh, you know GPS coordinates of of the the outline the, the shape of a da- county yeah the the raw shape data as you yeah. know it c- came from a provider for us. And then we had to stitch all this shapes together to get yeah. the one concurrent one because which was actually easy because it SQL does it for you. Yeah, well, look it does the you. it does the the hard, the hardest part. <laughs> There's yep. still work to be done. I uh, was um, I'm in the field very long, and I've seen the very first spatial databases. They were around uh, 1999. You got the first uh, spatial uh, databases. That was an <coughs> Oracle. <laughs> um, <laughs> I thought you said it's database. Still, 
Yeah. <laughs> it's a still mo- it's still the most used uh, database. Before that time, you had you had the 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 the, the, the spatial data in 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 separate cat files or something. You had to do all kinds of hoopla to get it together. Mm-hmm. And it actually took SQL quite a t- some time to pick that up. Uh, and now everybody knows you can store geographical yep. geographical data in a database. That's normal, but. Grandpa, let, let me tell you, Grandpa <laughs> remembers the time when that was not the case. Yeah, and it's actually in SQL Server, it's still pretty basic. But uh, we still found it incredibly useful just for, for the basic yeah. mapping that we had to do because we, we weren't looking forward to doing all that math ourselves. No, We wouldn't no, have really I, known where to start. I actually think that these days uh, SQL Server actually has uh, more capabilities than the original Oracle Spatial, but it's uh, they still have a first mover uh, uh, Advantage. I don't know exactly why. But, but SQL, for instance, now has a whole library where you can do off, outside of the database all kinds of uh, spatial mapping and spatial tricks. And Oracle doesn't do that because they want you to use their database because then you use more processor and that's their licensing model. <laughs> See? <laughs> well, there you go. Everybody's Everybody's got to eat somehow. Yep. So let's go back to the the Raspberry Pi. Speaking yeah. of food, uh, <laughs> now the uh, so the Raspberry Pi. So any any other projects that you've uh, that you've been doing on there, or is that so, or is that pretty recent that you started working with that? I I actually well you've seen how short the Pi was actually out. So I've been uh, uh, using that only since then. Like okay. I said, I was I was now working. I, I'm looking up. You can see that I'm now. Uh, trying to do something with a, a, a thermometer that's connected to it. But um, that's very difficult to read out. It's basically uh, spitting out 40 bits. So you have to read them in the right <laughs> order. Uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm not quite uh, sure how to, to figure that. And I was thinking of them posting that to my band, but then I found out that you can't actually change the tile dynamically. So oh. I have to rethink what I, uh, I'm going to do with that. But uh, I am already a very... Uh, I was also thinking there is also a, 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 a mains relay in the in the package. Maybe I can just switch on light by uh, tapping on my band or something. Uh, things like that. I'm. It's more like I'm I'm, uh, well treading water till Windows 10 gets out. Just, okay. I, at least I got a feeling for all this, uh, this, uh, these sensors and how you have to connect them to the Pi. So that's that's very useful now. Yeah. Well, everybody, you know, you got to start somewhere, right? You got to understand yeah, yeah. what the capabilities are, and I think that'll put you that'll put you an advantage then when when Windows 10 comes out, and hopefully it'll be even easier to do what you want to do and more capabilities. Yeah, there are. If if you want to look at the, the at the sender, I, I can send you uh, the link after the show from the to the, to that. Uh, it's really cheap. You have the most crazy kind of sensors. There's even I saw that pack. Yeah, that was awesome. It's, it's really awesome. The, there are uh, every uh, kind of sensor has its own uh, testing procedure. There's even <laughs> a, t- a, a, a processor for um, uh, dangerous gases. You know, like explosives. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's really funny. And it says, if you want to try this, then turn it on. And um, for instance, do, do a gas lighter or turn on the gas and see if the sensor <laughs> react. I was like, yeah, and with, with all kinds of uh, naked wires and connections. I don't think I will try this one. Wow. They're, they're going to get sued at some point. Yeah, those sensors. Yeah. So they do they hook right up to the, the GPIO ports then on the, on the Pi? Or do you have to hook them up to some other board? No, you have to. Uh, uh, you can hook them directly o- uh, up to the Pi, but there is also some expansion board to it, and I have used that because I'm not a big hero with the soldering iron. Mm-hmm. So uh, uh, there, are, I, I have bought some extra wires so that I could, in theory, uh, connect them directly to the Pi expansion 
pins, but I uh, I choose for the breadboard because they have the, the numbers. It's like it's more or less like paint by numbers, but then with wires. Okay, so it's easier for me. Cool. Um, you have a pretty you know extensive background. You've been you know in our field for a while. Um, you you have GIS background information, device. You know you've been doing a lot of cool things. So, you know what motivates you to put all these things together? You know outside of your day job. Uh, curiosity, I think. I just <laughs> just want to try stuff. Uh, it's um, from as a little kid when my mom asked me what I wanted to do, I wanted to be an inventor. I think that's more or less that that always sticked. I always liked to create things and. I was also always a little bit afraid of hardware because you could blow up stuff and like this, and this seemed like a way to try it. But I've also always been like that. It's it's because it's actually it's becoming worse <laughs> or more, whatever. I, I don't know. Yeah, as an IT person, I think you should have some natural uh, um, curiosity and. Uh, I like to go where no one has gone before, and uh, apparently uh, people like that and. Yeah, well, I mean, um, Microsoft puts on uh, great stuff. I've been playing with Kinect. I've been dying to get my hands on HoloLens one day and try stuff with that. Um, I mean, yeah, yeah. I don't know exactly. Cool. Yeah, I don't know exactly why. I can't. I can't imagine not being in the IT and not playing with all kinds of stuff. You know, <laughs> right, I mean? right. Well, and that's the thing. Like, you know, as a developer, it's it's one thing to see the stuff on the screen, and that that's sort of like the the, the first phase of, of a developer, that's, that's like super motivating, right? Whenever you, you, you look at something, you're like, Hey, I made that happen. And then whenever you can, you can make that happen in the real world. That's kind of like the second phase when, when you push a button on the computer and like a light turn, even just a blinking light. And then, and then after that, it's like, Oh, I made this, this like motor move. And it's just, it's actually making it real. You know, when you're on the, on the computer, it doesn't always uh, feel as real. So, uh, it's very cool. Cool feeling. Okay, uh, should we jump into the Azure pick of the week? Anything else you want to say? Application insights. So we're actually, we're going to have a, an upcoming show. I don't know. I think it's going to be a couple of weeks from now, but we're actually going to be talking in depth about application insights. But I just want to kind of give everybody a heads up to, to take a look at this. So it's a, it's a service run by Azure that lets you collect data from uh, from applications. So you can put this in like a windows phone application, a windows desktop application. Uh, you could put this into even just a website. Um, I've actually added it to, um, to some of my stuff and it's so easy. So for a website, you can just put it in, uh, you know, as there's like a JavaScript tag that you end up inserting into your web pages and we'll actually do tracking of, of, uh, of usage in the application. But what you can also do then is tie it into the backend and there's some modules that you put back there. And it will start to bring in your log files and your, your trace logs and things like that. Um, application exceptions, it will take all of that and it sort of correlates all that. So you can, you can say, oh, looks, you know, 10 exceptions happened today in my application. Uh, what, what log messages and trace logs happened leading up to that? Uh, what were people clicking on in the application? Those types of things. So it's really like a super detailed instrumentation system. And this thing is, it's, they're innovating super quick on this. So right now I think it's still uh, completely free to use. Uh, there's uh, no pricing has been announced yet, but um, you know, you can, you can look at this thing while it's in preview, you can get it put into your application and start getting these insights for free. Just take a look at what it does. It's really cool. But every week this thing gets a lot better 
Um, you can also do things like uh, ping your website and, and look for uptime. So it really takes things that, um, you know, I've talked to people that were using, you know, five different products to do everything that this does. This consolidates it all into one and gives you all those insights in one central location. So I think it's really cool. You can also use it from your apps. You know that? Yeah. yeah. So, um, and yeah, you can, uh, it's a NuGet package yes. for those, uh, for applications. So it's really, really easy to get integrated. Like you can, you can get this up and running in like 10 minutes. Yep. So I highly recommend taking a look at it. It's really cool stuff. And just keep watching this too, because it's only going to get better. And then Carl, what is the app of the week? I have two apps of the week this week. Uh, the first one is uh, an app called Fedora Reader by Joshua Grzbowski. Mm-hmm. It's on. It's a universal app on both Windows 8.1 and Windows Phone. And um, this is, you know, an RSS slash newsreader. Um, I recently Weave, which was a pretty well-known uh, uh, newsreader for Windows Phone, announced that it's going to be discontinuing it, its service. So I uh, was looking around and found this. It's was just released a couple of weeks ago and just it's a really sharp looking app. Um, Yeah, it looks it looks amazing. It's really clean. It's really nice. uh, This guy made the app. Um, He just graduated from college and was was able to he he made this app um, so he could compete in a competition. So, you know, you look at it. It's an amazing looking app. I mean, just take a look at the screenshots. I've I've installed it, but it's a great looking app. And then what it also does is, and I don't know if there's an option to turn this off, but when the reading pane actually switches to like the reading mode. So we'll actually clean up the post. I don't know if the, did you see if there's a way to turn that off though, Carl? No, I didn't. Okay. Cause sometimes that's a bad thing, but it, it's, it's kind of cool for reading just general news articles. It works really good. Nice, clean view. Yep. And, uh, like I said, just very well thought out, clean design, a lot of very just Simple, subtle animations, especially on the phone, that really just add to it, you know, adding to the experience. Cool. And the next uh, app of the week is we couldn't talk to Yoast about the Microsoft Band without having a band app. So this one's called Fan Band by Liquid Daffodil. Uh, this publisher was well known early on in Windows Phone for uh, some of their quality apps, including the Gleek twitter client and uh what this does is um it's 99 cents for windows phone and uh it'll change the background of your app to your favorite sports team or comic or i believe even tv show he's got all sorts of you know themes and wallpapers colors all picked out um i even see that there's like some soda so they have a dr pepper theme um (laughs) so if that's something you're into you have a band you want to customize it uh this one looks pretty cool and it looks pretty simple to use as well. Cool. Okay. So we have a game that we play here. So Yoast, what I need you to do is pick a number between one and four. Three. Three. Okay. Would you rather lie in a pit full of worms or lie in a pit full of rats with no teeth? Sorry, can, can you say that again? So the you either have to lie in a pit of worms or lie in a pit full of rats with no teeth. Rats with no teeth. I think I go for rats. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm a little worried about the rats, though. I mean, why don't they have teeth? There's, there's unanswered questions here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But they're they're at least they're at least furry and warm. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, and they can't really like crawl in your ears or anything while you're sleeping. Exactly. Yeah. I like I like rodents. They're usually very harmless. <laughs> oh, there you go. Okay, Carl. I'll pick number two. Number two. 
Would you rather own only one collection of clothes that fits perfectly, but is made from furry carpet or always have all of your clothes be soaking wet when you put them on? Oh, I cannot deal with wet clothes at all. So I am <laughs> picking the first. So you're just going to have one carpet, ca- perfect, perfectly fitting carpet. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, wow. Carl's fashion sense uh, is coming I, through. I have none. Yeah. Me neither. I wouldn't know I, if I wouldn't know if you did. <laughs> I have a, I have a wife that takes care of that. Yeah, yeah. It's actually funny. I my, oh, I shouldn't even say this. I, well, I'm 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 red green blind, so you know I'm basically colorblind, and uh, so what I end up having to do not so much now because I I work from home, but uh, previously I always had pretty much every day I'd have to let her review my my selection, and she would she would always change it, you know, because she's like, well, that those don't match at all. You know, almost comically bad sometimes. <laughs> shall, shall I tell you another secret? I have this. I am not colorblind, yeah. and I have the same. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> okay, so maybe it's unrelated. Good yep. to know. Okay, so Yoast, where can people find you if they want to learn more? Okay, well, you can always find me at Twitter at uh, localyoast. That's a pun of on the local host. Oh, nice. There's a story about behind it, but I won't tell it here now. <laughs> uh, it's too it's too long. Um, and of course, on my uh, blog, it's uh, called .net by example .blogspot.com. Uh, it's um, it's go it's going way beyond its original reach, but well, I've just stuck with the name. Yep. And, uh, well, oh, if you great. want, yep, there you can find me. Okay, and you we'll have a link me. to all those in the show notes for you. Yep. And if you, uh, I also have a few apps in the store. The, the most funniest, uh, the most funny and weird app, because I like to write weird apps, is uh, I don't know if you ever saw that it's two po- phone Pong. You can actually play the old game of Pong over two phones and they connect with, uh, uh, with, with either NFC or Bluetooth. It's already over a year old, but it's still, uh, it's oh. still one of my, very popular in for for some weird reason in Brazil and Turkey. I have no idea why. <laughs> they love their pong. <laughs> ex, ex, uh, apparently. Yeah. Very cool. I'll have to check that out. Carl and I can play it. <laughs> yep. Okay, Carl, where can people find you? You can find me at WPDevGuy.com or on Twitter at Carl Schweitzer. And you can find me at YTechie.com or on Twitter at twitter.com slash YTechie. Yost, thank you so much for coming on the show. That was uh, was great talking about the pie and the band SDK and everything else. Thanks. You're welcome. Be sure to subscribe by searching for MS Dev Show in your favorite podcasting app. Leave us a review at iTunes, Stitcher, Player FM, or your podcast aggregator of choice. Visit us at msdevshow.com where you can leave comments, check out our links, show notes, and more. Visit us on Facebook at facebook.com slash msdevshow. You can send us your comments and feedback directly to feedback at msdevshow.com. 